0: Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chappell, and today we're going to talk about how I became a business coach. That's right. It's going to be a bit of a Sarah soliloquy, personal to professional edition. And this was actually a listener request. So thank you, listener, for asking me to share a little bit of my story and how I came to do what I do today. Um, Quick, you know, real talk. I'm in the middle of moving. I am sweaty and sleepy. And uh, me talking about myself for a period of time sounds about all I can handle. Um, I hope this will still be useful to you, but this might be a good one to play in the background. <laughs> just to be honest, but I'm sure we'll have some good gems in here as well. Um, Quick reminders with my move, just because we are a small company and I want to make sure I'm setting expectations properly. There will not be any podcasts the week of September 6th. I'm moving the prior week, so I won't be doing any recording. That means we won't have free coaching Thursday that week either. So just, you know, you can catch up on some old episodes. We have like a lot of episodes, listen to some old ones, re-listen to some faves. Um, I hope you will, yeah, give us a little grace for, for taking a week off of our production. So how did I become a business coach? You know, I talk about this often through the lens of helping you to understand how I can help you, right? From the perspective of demonstrating my authority and my expertise and why I am actually qualified to support you. But this question actually came from somebody who is a business coach themselves. And while I very purposefully do not target business coaches as my audience, I'm very wary of the you know coach teaching coaches, teaching coaches, teaching coaches all the way down kind of pyramid scheme situation that happens online. Um. As my business grows and as our visibility grows, we do have more and more business coaches, business service providers, etc. coming into my community. And I love it. I'm so excited that you all are here. Um, I'm really excited about that because first of all, it feels genuine. You guys are here because you're interested in how we're approaching things, uh, not because I'm going to teach you how to have a successful business, coaching, business, business, coaching, coaching, businesses, coaching, businesses, coaches. (laughs) Um, Sorry. You all know what I'm talking about though, right? (laughs) Um, but also because I think this is going to be a really critical part of what we're going to be talking about a little bit today in terms of why I'm a business coach and ultimately a consultant or strategist is what I call myself um, a little bit more, at least inside my head, is that there are so there's so much room for business support, especially in the online space. First of all, people who are aiming to be ethical, to be values driven, to be aware and self-aware of the impact of their business, on their community, um, on the wider world, that that narrows down the pool. I think that I I do in general believe that a lot of folks are are operating from a place of trying to do good, but for those of us who are, um, you know, really care about having work that is economically conscious, that is socially conscious it's a little bit of a narrower playing field. So I think there's a lot of room there for kind of conscious entrepreneurs, if you will, to, to get support. Also because we see a lot of people who actually don't love business. And we're gonna talk about this in a little bit. And I think that that means that there's so much room for people, for those of us who do love business to really provide support, services, education, it is thundering outside, so you might have heard oh. Bea. Oh, she doesn't like it. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to get her to join me. Let's see how that goes. One second. Bea is now with me in the room. If you have somehow missed it, Bea is my adorable pit Collie mix. She's very sweet and very anxious and she does not like thunder. So this is just gonna be a real, a real family episode today. <laughs> um, what I was trying to get at is that there's a lot of room for more business coaches, for more business service providers, for more business educators. Because first of all, we all bring our own unique perspective, but also honestly, people who are really passionate about their work and about business, and also passionate about their impact on the world, and who care about social justice and financial and economic equity and who are trying to yeah, create create a better world, low key. Um, I think there's a lot of room for, for more coaches and more facilitators and more more service providers like that. So it makes me so excited to see more of those people showing up in our community as well. So this question is really coming from that perspective. I'm going to try and answer it from that perspective, a little bit more of the nitty gritty of like, if you did want to be a business coach or business facilitator, what could you learn from Sarah's story? And There are a few kind of key points to any origin story. The first is that we all have what you'll often hear called an unfair advantage and your unfair advantage in business. I don't use this term a ton because I think it gets conflated with something like privilege. I'm really talking of these are two different things. The unfair advantage is more of an intrinsic thing for you or an experience that you had that was um, that makes you a little bit different. People will talk about this in business in terms of things you're willing to do that other people aren't willing to do, right? What are you willing to do that other businesses won't do? The term unfair advantage, obviously you can add other contexts. Sounds like we're talking more about privilege of which I have plenty. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about unfair advantages and kind of noticing your own. I'm going to talk a bit about what I think really, I be mean, honest what sets me apart, but I think sets apart great business coaches and great business trainers and educators and service providers. And talk a little bit about how to um to leverage that thing, even if it's not an inherent gift of yours or it's not, yeah, it's not something that you you really love. And I'm sure we'll have some some rambles and rants along the way. So in order to understand why I am now a business coach, we have to go back to when I was fourteen years old. <laughs> and i um i i I'm always a little bit loath to be like, Oh, I started working when I was 14 and that's where I started gaining my experience because often that just sounds a little artificial, right? Really? Like when you were 14, that's when you started learning about business. But in my case, it was actually true. Uh, When I was 14, I asked my parents to let me work at a local clothing store where my mom shopped and was friends with the, uh, the women who owned it. It was a small local store. And I was obsessed with fashion. That was my early career was fashion um, in college and after college. And I was really excited to work there. And they all really took me under their wing. And even though, yes, it was like a part-time job and I was obviously a child, I received a lot of mentorship in that space. Partially because I was young, they all uh, let me like, fix their computer problems for them. So I kind of got more embedded in the actual structure of how a retail operation runs. And I was also really mentored. I learned a lot about customer service. Um, I learned about wholesale. I got to go to, um, to trunk shows and to trade shows and to really start to see how the pieces came together and really the multi-layered aspects of running a retail shop from, from staff to tech and operations to, to wholesale ordering and sales itself and I worked there for a couple years and when I do look back at like why I do this now I think that really is the formative reason as to why because for the first time I was able to have a level of responsibility and engagement that frankly was beyond my years obviously um I was not a normal 14 year old I'm not a normal 20 normal 20 yeah right 34 year old um and it was this the space where these adults gave me a lot of responsibility and a lot of opportunity to learn and I think that's when I started to be interested in all of these different moving pieces. At the time it was very fashion focused and I would spend much of my uh, teens and early 20s working in fashion retail and in other fashion operations but I do really view that as this like kind of special place. Now that's something that you know you can't replicate at this point in your life if you didn't have that experience you I'm not saying that you needed to start work at 14 in order to be a good business coach but I encourage you to start to look at the places where maybe you did get to learn some things that were a little bit different I also for example ran the box office at my high school so I learned again a lot about operations a lot about systems I was very active in the theater and I realize now I was learning a lot about sales and marketing in terms of trying to get people to come to our plays <laughs> I ran a magazine in high school as well and same thing We did a lot of really creative marketing strategies to get our magazine out so I start to kind of I can look back and see these kind of these these trends of different areas of my interests being supported by business enterprises. And I, if you're interested in kind of seeing what maybe are some skills that I don't really know I have or some, some information or experiences I don't really know I have, it can be fun to look back and see what you did when you were in high school, uh, what you did when you were in college, where your interests lie, like what were those commonalities? You know, like for me, for example, I was the president of a bunch of clubs. I was very, very club oriented, very very club oriented. Uh, and I can see that now as one of the things that makes me very good at my job, which is that I'm interested in a lot of different things and I'm not afraid to be in a leadership position and a, and a doing position. Like those are some of those skills. So that's really where it all started was just by being young and hungry to learn things and being excited, frankly, to like make my own money. That has always been very important to me. Um, I learned a lot in my college years, when I was working and interning at fashion magazines, I worked at Condé Nast, I worked at Time Life, and my first job out of college was working at Condé Nast at Lucky Magazine. And I learned a lot there that really influences how I do business today between high school and college in terms of understanding the playing field. And this is another thing that folks, I think, don't always recognize as being such a crucial business skill, but it really is, especially if you're a coach or consultant, is understanding who the players are, what the trends are, what the connections are by different, between different people, and being able to see essentially what the levers are that are driving certain things forward. So for me in particular, I am very good at trend casting. I'm like naturally very good at that, um, but I also work at it. Um, now, of course, in terms of business instead of, at the time, fashion. Um, always knew who the major players were, who was the assistant to who, who had worked where, what was their trajectory. Now it's a little bit less kind of... I wouldn't say I was particularly cutthroat at the time, but now it's like, who are the players? Who's doing what? Who's innovating where? Who is creating what? Which softwares are, are doing what? Which coaches are doing what? And not so much in a market research place, but again, in the sense of understanding the, the playing field for business in this time. Eventually I left fashion because honestly um, those jobs fucking suck and I worked in the wine industry. I worked in wine retail, I worked in wine wholesale, I did freelance wine writing, I was a brand manager and finally the editorial director of a big wine importer in New York. And those are the kinds of business experiences that are hard to learn elsewhere. And This is where we start to get into one of my unfair advantages which is, if you haven't noticed yet, I have literally been doing this now on some level for 20 years because I started when I was 14 (laughs) and I'm not saying that to be like, I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm so, but because this has been part of my life for almost half of my life. And that is an unfair advantage. Uh, But I bet a lot of you have similar unfair advantages in your experience if you start to notice the threads and tendrils of where there's commonalities, where you learned certain things and can kind of pick them up now and weave them into your business, weave them into your work. So for me, having worked in retail, wholesale, publishing, you know, advertising, marketing, (laughs) and this huge number of kind of different, kinds of areas i worked with physical products in the wine industry for many years i have a very strong understanding of what it takes to to make something i worked at a winery right so all of these pieces well now i don't work with people who make wine but understanding production scale understanding well there's see bea doesn't like it you want to say hi to everybody on the podcast she doesn't sorry she just wants to be sad about the, the thunder um understanding things like production <laughs> She's gone now we'll see how this goes <laughs> understanding things like production operations what it takes to get wine from a grape in france to your door in brooklyn right all of the all of the shipping and trucks and like all of that stuff in addition to then selling it how do we how do we sell this product how do we get people excited about these brands how do we tell these stories For you, whatever it is that you do in your work, but especially if you're doing something that is consulting or service or coaching based, starting to notice where you do have advanced knowledge, even if it's stuff that doesn't seem important, is going to be a huge boon. Not so much that you have to consciously reference it. It's very rare that I talk about purchase order lead times or something with my clients. But I know about them. I know a lot about figuring out your run rate, when you need to reorder things, and how that applies to people who are purchasing at the retail level and the wholesale level and all of that. It's more about being aware of the tools in your kit and recognizing how that might apply to something today. So for example, even though I never had a very large wholesale business myself with my herbal products, I'm very comfortable with wholesale and what it requires because I did it for so many years in different industries and I did it with my own products. So what we're trying to do is find these through threads, right? These, these through lines in your life. And I realize many of you probably didn't do as many weird, different business things as I have, but I bet a lot of you have, right? Most people I work with have worked in retail and have worked in restaurants and have worked in office jobs and have done a bunch of different stuff. You have run clubs, have run publications in high school or college. Don't discount these things, even though they are not, you know, entrepreneurship necessarily. These are skills that people that are hard to learn without experiencing them. So when I left my job as the editorial director at this wine company, um, I was also still doing brand management, and editorial director in this company was essentially the marketing director. But they called the their graphic, their head graphics and visual person was who they called the marketing director. So I was essentially what I do now was the the content and you know yeah content marketing, attraction marketing, social media marketing, online marketing person, and. In that job, I had also done a lot of project management. I had launched our new website, managed that. I just, you know, just done a bunch of stuff. And also, just, you know, a massive amount of customer service and support, which influences so much of what I do today in my business, where customer support is one of our most important things that we do. Um, When I left that job, I wanted nothing to do with marketing, (laughs) I wanted nothing to do with it. I think that there was part of me that still really doubted myself, even though i had been doing it for so many years because I didn't ever study it formally. Um, all of the things I've ever done for work, I never studied formally. My degree is in French and molecular cell biology. I don't have a journalism degree, even though I did freelance writing for many years and still do. I don't have a business degree. I, yeah. Didn't study like merchandising or marketing or anything like that. I think there was some part of me that was sick of it. When I left, I left, um, for deeply personal health reasons that I've talked about before, but won't get into today. And I was on unemployment and really having a hard time figuring out what I wanted to do. And I really wanted nothing to do with marketing, even though I was doing some freelance contract work for some restaurants in New York and things like that. I just was so fucking sick of it and um, really having a hard time applying that to businesses that I didn't. that I didn't feel like what they were doing in this world was having an impact that I wanted to be associated with. And I think in some ways I was being reactionary when I left my job, everyone was like, Oh, well, you'll get another marketing job. You can do this. You can do that. You've had this kind of high powered job. you were on the high powered track. So sure. You'll get another one. So I'm pretty react. I can be a little bit reactionary and really contrary and at my core. And I was like, no, fuck you guys. I'm going to be a tarot reader. <laughs> and the reason I mentioned this in particular is because chances are you have some skills that you might be avoiding. I actually work a lot with folks who um, have run businesses before who have marketing backgrounds and somehow when they start their own business applying it feels hard and this is a really great place to look at what assumptions you're making about those skills that or what like associations you have with them that are kind of preventing you from applying them in this new way. I think for me a lot of it was the ethical bit. It was really hard for me to Um, reconcile my experiences with alcohol, with selling alcohol and using my skills to do that. Um, I felt pretty bad about it, to be honest. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not here to prescribe whether or not you should drink. You do you, but being an active part of selling something that causes so much harm to people was, was challenging for me to reconcile and that caused so much harm to me. And it took me a while to kind of untangle that. And it kind of happened by accident. When I started my business, um, started selling herbal products, uh, working as a tarot reader, uh, working as a flower essence practitioner, I, of course, had to sell and market. And I did. You know, I I didn't stop myself. Desperation is a really fantastic way to overcome resistance. And I was super fucking broke and really overwhelmed and recovering from burnout. So I did use the skills I had and ultimately what started to happen was that people started coming to me for readings or at, and asking about business or coming to me for coaching um, and, or asking me for business coaching, asking me if I did business consultations because of my background and because even though my business was still growing, I'm assuming that people could see my skill set shining through even though I wasn't really purposefully leveraging it and was kind of trying to distance myself from it. After a couple years of essentially proving to myself that I could run a business that was not business coaching, going back to what I said at the beginning of this, really, really not trying to be on that business coach MLM tip here, um, where it's a business coach teaching other people how to be business coaches who are teaching other people. I'm really wary of that. I knew I wanted to make sure that I could get results for myself before I was doing business coaching. And this is an interesting piece, kind of a a like kind of an insert. I'm kind of. I know I'm kind of. Here's my story. We'll get to more of the theory and the and the takeaways in a minute. But business coaching is in general not like other coaching. A lot of traditional coaching is just asking questions and holding space. Business coaching often is an amalgam of coaching and consulting or strategy work. You can be a coach who just works with business owners, doing like leadership coaching is often what you hear that called as, but If you're a business coach, chances are you are doing some strategy and consulting work as well. This matters because while I don't believe that you have to have experienced something in order to help somebody work through it, that's simply not true. I am a little wary of business coaches who have no business experience And and that in particular is challenging because it is 110 million percent easier to sell business services business to business services than it is to sell like a tincture, for example. Now, if you are a business coach who has no experience outside of running your own business coaching business, cool, you do you. I don't mean this from a place of judgment, just for me personally, it was really important when I started to notice this business thing reemerging and this marketing thing reemerging and me being like, wow, you've been doing this for a bajillion fucking years. And of course people want, want your help with this because you have experience, you have more experience than a lot of people in the online space. I wanted to make sure that I actually could figure out what I was doing without going straight B2B, Um, which is why for the first couple years of my business, even though the business coaching aspect was starting to emerge, I made my money um, selling tarot readings, selling tarot courses and programs and mentorships and selling herbal products. And I did fine. I, I was able to go full time in my business and was able to do that and prove to myself that I could. And I really actually had a bit of an ethical quandary about stepping into business coaching for for that very reason, the sense of, am i am I falling into this trap of being someone who just makes money by telling other people how to make money? and and how that often is is unscrupulous, um, whether it's on purpose or not. And I, I continue to wrestle with that. That is an ongoing question in my kind of ongoing values assessment. Um, especially this new program I'm about to launch is going to be very like step by step, though always, of course, in a nuanced choose your, choose your adventure way, how to grow and scale a membership site. I'm going to be actively teaching the systems and processes that I created, which I had to create my fucking self because all the memberships information out there is so fucking stupid. Like, Sorry, I'm making this program for a reason because I'm furious about what what passes for premium membership programs on the Internet. Some things that I personally joined, some things that I've just I've been privy to. And I'm just like, it's just it's just it's a it's egregious. And I think ultimately that's where I came down on the side of it. Values wise, I have to keep checking in. But um, am I am I actually And I actually offering like a high value of work is pretty important to me to kind of check in that I'm not um, doing the MLM business coaching thing. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I'm so fucking frustrated by the state of online education. It is so annoying. And it's more than annoying because people are getting ripped off. Anyway. So uh, I was really hesitant This is an ongoing question for me. I mean, I'm in a much more stable space in terms of seeing the impact that my work has on the world and thinking that it's important, but I still have to do that constant check-in. You know, for example, people ask me all the time, Oh, are you going to, would you do a business coaching certification? I think the short answer is maybe Uh, (laughs) I'm kind of met on certifications. I think that the whole thing is a bit of uh, like, I don't want to like, I might do it someday. But as soon as something's a certification, then people will just pay so much more money for it. And I think that like I'm just a little conscious of that. Um and the reality is that I, you know, I don't know I don't know how to teach my unfair advantages, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a second. Some of the things that make me a really powerful business coach are things that I can't teach in a certification necessarily or certainly not in one that's in a period of time somebody would actually wanna take. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, an MBA is like a two-year program. Um, Not that you should get don't get an MBA. That's a huge waste of money if you wanna be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Quick side note, unless maybe you're like, wanna go to Stanford and work in tech. Um, I don't have an MBA and I can't imagine getting one regardless, I was like, unless you want to like do like a two year business coaching program with me, I really don't know how I would be able to teach everything that I would need to teach in order to feel ethical certifying people. Um, but really the answer is that, you know, I, um, I'm a business coach because I love business. And when I did finally stop stopping myself from doing that work and step into it, uh, starting to take some one-on-one clients, launching a couple programs, and then finally launching the Holistic Business Academy. The feeling of joy and alignment that I had was so great. The feeling of like my brain and my intuition firing on all cylinders in my work was, was massive. And you may or may not be there in your business. I think that oftentimes we feel like the first thing we do is going to be the thing that lights us up. And for some people it is, but it may not be for you. Whether you want to be a business coach or not doesn't really fucking matter but you know I think that's why I kind of wanted to wander through kind of the underlying experiences that I had because when you start to notice the trends in what you've been interested in over time I think that's a better indicator for what is going to light you up than anything else and that some of those things may not be specifically about what you teach or what you make but how you approach it And when you start to notice notice those trends the feeling of alignment in business can be can be much more strong and you know I didn't realize how much I loved business itself until I was business coaching and seeing what it made possible for people so that's my little bit of a ramble I hope it's helpful in the sense of being like I've been doing some variation of this for a very long time I have a very varied experience background again working in lots of different fields doing lots of different stuff and While that might not be something that you can duplicate if you want to be a business coach, you can seek new experiences. You can review what you've done and see what you can learn from your past experiences. Even if they don't seem related, they probably are. Um, And you can do what I'm going to say, how I became a business coach. And you can too. (laughs) Um, You can be a lifelong learner. Now I think this is actually the most important thing about being a business coach and probably any kind of coach that has a really specific area of focus. So not like a general life coach or something where you're doing very classic coaching, like I mentioned before, and asking people a lot of questions and stuff. And this is what I actually call my unfair advantage is my ability to an enjoyment of learning. I think a lot of you are like this too, but just something that people ask me all the time is how do you know so much about so many different things and I do because yes, I've been doing this in various capacities for a long time and I've worked in many different fields within business. But the real reason I know so much about so many different things is because I am a lifelong learner and I also have the kind of brain that makes really powerful leaps in logic and connection between different kinds of information. So that is my unfair advantage. I have a brain that specifically is excellent at making connections at networking things, at of building a, a, a an, I'm always building and re-examining and exploring and shifting my cosmology. Nothing is firm in my world. And if that sounds terrifying, it is. Nothing is firm though. Everything is always a question. And when it comes to business, that becomes an extremely powerful tool because I apply that to to see things like pattern recognition across industries, to see things like trends and and shifts that are happening and how those can apply to the people that I work with. Now, you may be somebody who's like that already. Maybe you're like, oh yeah, pattern recognition, that's me. Maybe like systems level thinking, network thinking, right? These are some of the terms that we hear. Um, but the really good news is that you don't actually have to be that way naturally to develop the skill. Um, for me, most of this is just inside my head. Uh, I, again, that is that is my unfair advantage is how my brain works. You have your own unfair advantages, but developing the ability to be a lifelong learner is the number one thing I would recommend to anybody who's interested in working in business because business changes. <laughs> now, the foundations don't change all that much, unless you, like me, are trying to create new foundations, which I think a lot of you probably are. Um, to imagine a new way of engaging with commerce that yeah, so that, that does change. A lot of the foundations don't really change, but the landscape of business changes constantly. And that is why being a lifelong learner is so absolutely critical to be a business coach, consultant, um, service provider. The landscape is always changing and it's changing faster and faster. This is true for so many things. Uh, you know, this is not just business. And this may be true in whatever field you work in if you're not a business coach. But for those of you that are working in business, that are social media marketers, service providers, virtual assistants, coaches, consultants, we have a responsibility to our customers to know what the fuck is going on. That is a huge part of what they're paying us for. To know, and I'm not saying you have to know every little detail about like the new Instagram rollout. That's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is it's our job, in my view, for us to survey the landscape in an ongoing manner to synthesize that information so that we can use that to provide the most up-to-date consulting and service experience that we can to our customers, and this is where learning is so critical. So I want to talk a little bit about learning. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm an online educator, so it's something I study and think about a lot, especially because my brain is is neurodivergent and a little bit a little weird. So I've had to think and learn a lot about how other people learn, because I know not everyone learns like me. If you are someone, the idea of lifelong learner makes you gag a little bit. We're going to need to work on that. You can come up with another phrase, but it's going to be very hard to stay at the top of your field. If you are not constantly engaging with new information and new ways of thinking, And I don't necessarily mean new as a newly released, just like your, your business creations, like they need to be fed. (laughs) They, they, they need to be engaged with actively. So there's a few things that I do that I think can be extrapolated out. The first is if you are not naturally a network thinker, or maybe you are, maybe you're a skip thinker, you skip a couple steps and make connections, but like kind of big cognitive leaps are harder for you. I highly recommend using a software that can help you with this. And this is the coolest thing that's happened in the past couple years online is backlinking, crosslinking softwares. I've talked about these before. I use Obsidian, which is fantastic. It's going to be free for most of you. You only have to pay once you have a couple team members. Um, And even then it's like 50 bucks a year or something stupid cheap. Um, And Obsidian has a mobile app now on iOS and Android. Obsidian is essentially a note-taking software that lets you create links between different notes and then to visually see how they connect. It literally creates a network of your notes for you. So if you're not someone who does that automatically in your head or maybe you're dealing with really heavy cognitive stuff and you want to not keep it in your head, which is what I use it for mostly, um, this is so powerful. So it's going to be as simple as reading a blog post and learning something new about Instagram, and you want to take a note on it. So you make a note on that. But that note reminds you of something you read about a different kind of strategy a previous week. So you actually link them together. I won't go into how to use the software. There's plenty of people on the internet who can teach you how. Then over time, these things start to come together and you start to see new connections between things that you weren't aware of before. In terms of developing the habit of learning, first of all, figure out what your best learning style is. the The whole like learning style in terms of some people learning better listening or reading or, or different things that's been largely debunked. Um, I do think that's probably different for folks with various neurodivergences, but that's been largely debunked. So I think maybe I'd say what you're more most comfortable with, but often what I see is that folks who like to listen to things passively are not actually receiving information. So be mindful of that. It's one of the reasons we do videos in my program, even though I know some folks would prefer to just have audio. Um, having more parts of yourself actively engaged really does help and take notes while you're doing it. Um, and maybe pick a subject you want to engage with, maybe pick a book you want to read, Pick an article set aside 15 minutes once a week. It doesn't have to be a lot, but let that be your active learning time. I use a software called Instapaper, which is free uh, to save articles that I wanna read and then I'll go back to them periodically. I try to do that a lot on like Sunday mornings when I'm not really working, but I want something kind of to engage with intellectually. And then if I find something interesting there, I can take notes and actually export it and mark down to Obsidian. So that's pretty fun. But essentially creating the space for learning because if you, I think one of the problems that happens when we're we're running businesses and I go through seasons with this, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm always like learning something like super new and cool. Like right now, there's Bea again. Uh, Like right now, um, I'm pretty busy. I'm not really learning anything new. I'm reading, uh, I'm reading books that are like for fun, not really like educational, but Next up, I have an, economic t- an economics textbook that I am trying to work my way through, but I'm having a bit of a hard time because I disagree with the basic premise regardless. It turns out that I, agree with the ba- I disagree with the basic premise of modern economics, which is lack uh, and competition for resources. Anyway, it's a little hard to read because I disagree with it, but I'm not doing that right now. I'm busy. I'm in the middle of a move. So don't, I don't want you to think that I'm like sitting here reading textbooks every week, but I do read textbooks sometimes. But it's figuring out what would help. There's two ways to look at this. You can either just say what interests you. If you are a natural learner, that will take you down fantastic roads. But if you're someone who has a little bit of a harder time doing it, I would look and see what kinds of questions you're getting from customers or what kinds of topics people are talking about on the internet that you are like seeing a lot of and see what you can learn about those, right? You can use kind of market research as the indicator for where to focus your your self-education. And... Then set aside some time for it. It doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be much. 15 minutes a day might be plenty, depending on what you're working on, or 15 minutes a week, even. But that, as a habit, I think is probably the number one predictor of business kind of consulting, coaching success because you are going to be able to offer a perspective that goes so far beyond the kind of shiny object strategy that the internet is obsessed with right, when you can create a cohesive worldview or help, frankly, help your customer, your client, create a cohesive worldview or belief system for them to engage with, with respect to their businesses, you're going to be helping them to learn foundational skills that are going to transform their lives. Those of you that are in HBA know what I believe about transformational skills that are foundational, that ultimately this this pattern recognition skill that I have is what has allowed me to distill everything I know about sales and marketing into these bite-sized lessons that often seem almost simple by the time I make them. They're not simple to make. I am taking like massively complex concepts and trying to break them down into like worksheets. It's wild, right? I think it's wild. (laughs) But what happens now is that now that I've done that, the results people are getting in HBA when they actually apply those tools are massive. It is amazing what some of these shifts are creating. You too can do that, (laughs) again, whether you naturally do it or not, simply by engaging more actively in your field, but also in other fields. So, for example, when I say research, I don't spend a lot of time or any time researching what other coaches tell like tarot readers to do. I don't really care. I'm not super interested in that. A lot of the research that I do is either historical in the sense of what has business development been like in the past 100 years or it is looking at other fields, right? Fields like the beauty industry where they are constantly able to sell the exact same shit over and over and over again to new people in new ways, right? Or tech, which is extremely problematic in so many fucking ways, but really a lot of interesting innovation and things that you can learn. So finding other intra- areas that you have some interest in or that you can you can learn from and then figure out how to apply them to your specific field is is always valuable regardless of what you do. But for business, I think is absolutely fucking critical because that's how you see the patterns. You know, there's a reason that why in like MBA programs, and if you read, oh, I mean, I've read so many, not so many, I only read a couple because they're really bad. If you read any of these kind of business management like books that are, um, they're all they're all like bad storytelling. They're all case studies, essentially. There's a reason though that business management is taught in case studies. It's because it helps you to actually see the pattern recognition better and the application of those patterns. Um, Because business, ultimately, there isn't a right or wrong answer really ever, but there are patterns that we can notice. There are behavioral patterns. There are human behavior. There are behavioral economics is also just absolutely fascinating if you haven't studied that. But essentially, these patterns are, are what we as business coaches need to learn and how they shift and how they change and start to essentially be able to predict those patterns. I'm talking now, and I did say this was going to be a little bit rambly and I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up. And I'm realizing that this is sounding a little esoteric. And I think it is. <laughs> um, ultimately, business is like, business really is a liberal art. Uh, don't, don't tell me, don't tell the business people I said that, but it is. Business is not a science. It is, it is, a, it is much more like a liberal art, and if we approach it through some of the kind of ideas of like a liberal arts education, which tends to be interdisciplinary, tends to be communication and critical thinking based, um, and then we couple that with what we can learn from the scientific method, which, you know, has it has its good and its bads, but essentially this idea of testing hypotheses, right? The formulation of the hypotheses is often, is often a very, is much more like a liberal arts kind of, um, approach and then that I would say too ultimately becomes a more intuitive approach much like writing becomes more intuitive certain kinds of writing become more intuitive over time or you learn languages and all of a sudden you're fluent right and it becomes intuitive and natural thinking about business through that lens as less of a here are the key metrics and there's nothing else but more of a dance between those two arenas that, I think, is where, well, that's why I find it interesting. <laughs> business can be a business as a as a filter, as a lens can be applied to to anything, really. Um, but that's where your skills will develop. And again, many of you are not business coaches. This is true for your fields as well. When we start to be inspired by things outside of our realm, that's where the real magic happens. You know, I get, I understand why folks like super niched offers, things like, I only teach marketing to Ayurvedic practitioners in, you know, Canada or something. Right. And it can be helpful to be with people who have very similar, um, very similar businesses. But I think ultimately, well, that can be a good starting point. Growth comes from being exposed to new things and things outside of your realm. And If you're not doing that, that's fine. But I would hope at the very least the person facilitating your coaching experience, your educational experiences, because that's where that's where the new ideas emerge. Right? Ideas are coming from different things bouncing off each other and seeing seeing what comes up. And business in that sense is very creative. On some level, there's no new ideas in this world. That's one of my opinions. But the new combinations or the application of those combinations that, is, that can be new and exciting and enticing and lead to real breakthroughs. And I think that is really what great business coaches do, is that they are synthesizing often massive amounts of information about a variety of fields into frameworks that can be applied in different situations. And the keys here, in addition to being this whole lifelong learner thing, is to be non-dogmatic about it. I think that's the piece where things start to get really challenging for a lot of coaches and a lot of everybody, but definitely for business coaches, where we start to double down because it's good marketing on this is the only way to do this thing. This one piece will do X, Y, Z for you. And we get stuck in the hyperbole and we start making promises we can't really keep and Now we have built our entire business on being the Facebook group funnel person. And can we change that? What happens when it doesn't work? What happens when Facebook's group changes? Of course, you can be specific in your business, but just be mindful that the bouncing around of ideas, the creation of concepts, that that change in our perception of business that that's ultimately what helps us be less dogmatic. The more you learn, the less dogmatic you will be because you will know that there's so much more that you do not know. And it will help you as a coach to not get pigeonholed into thinking that everyone needs to do everything the exact same way. It doesn't mean you can't have a system or a framework. At this point, my coaching in particular, my one-on-one work, I have a very clear framework that I work through. I know what in this current state of business works for most people at different stages. But I have to be ready to be wrong. I have to be ready for that to change. And the only way that I can do my job properly is if I am constantly surveying the landscape and the horizon and seeing what is coming next. So, listener request, I hope this answered your question. I realized that it's a combination of, for me, how I became a business coach and one who um, does what they do in the way that I do it is a combination of my unfair advantages being a lifelong learner in particular and being someone who has this kind of network thought built in that that is a built-in function in my brain Um, coupled with the fact that i have been doing this in some capacity now for 20 years which is fucking wild and how i have given myself the space to recognize those patterns to pull up those threads to weave them together into something new wherever you are in your business whether you want to do a business services, business coach, or whether you're doing something else. I'd like to leave you with the idea that continuing education is probably the most important thing that you can do to stay nimble in your business, <laughs> to stay agile in your business, which as small businesses is really important. It's important for big businesses too, but they often don't do it very well. But for small businesses in particular, Our ability to weather the storms of the economy, of the pandemic, of injustice, of more pandemic, (laughs) like that has to do with being nimble and agile. And the more that we learn, the more tools we have in our kit, but the more that we are willing to, to synthesize information and apply it in new and different ways, the more likely it is that we will be able to survive. And ultimately, whatever your field is, when you approach it through this lens, you have the opportunity to create things that are new or kind of new, <laughs> to, to actually see things through a different way to exp- or to express them in a different way that will impact people differently. And for me as a coach, that is my job. My job is to be the person that you know who actually loves business. who actually loves this nitty gritty and most of you don't need to do that. You don't need to love it. You need to love your work, what you're doing, but you don't need to love business. I love business for you. (laughs) So my job is to synthesize is to watch the landscape is to create the, is to notice the patterns and to consolidate those into nimble frameworks so you can apply them. Whatever you do in your realm, that is also your job as a maker, a creator, a guide, a healer. To assess the array of inputs, to learn from them, and to ultimately maintain the flexibility to create new ways of engaging with your work. So I guess that's why I'm a business coach because <laughs> I love business, and. I also truly love seeing all of you succeed. That's something, you know, I was hopeful for. But being in a place in my business now, where on an almost daily basis, I get to hear about massive successes of of personal and professional natures. Sometimes it's more money, yes. A lot of times it's more flexibility, freedom, more love for the self. Seeing all of these things, getting to hopefully be some part of it, you know. Just creating that space at the very least, or being here in your ears. That's also why I'm a business coach. Because when I do my job, the impact it has, the ripple effect through our communities, I really, I mean, I can't quantify it, but I feel it. If you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that my kind of thesis statement (laughs) is that small business is a most magnificent magic that directly impacts lives and changes communities, that when good people do good work and make good money doing it, that we all rise. That's what I'm here for. So I'll keep doing my lifelong learning. I'm going to go read my economics textbook. (laughs) I am going to be that person for you. And you get to be that person for your community, the synthesizer. It doesn't have to be just of information, by the way. I tend to speak very often in terms of more kind of traditional education, but sometimes this is also also journeying and spirit working and all sorts of things that are a little bit harder to explain on a podcast. However it is that you learn and whoever you learn from Can you allow that to be a priority? Because if you do, it will change your business, of course. But it will also, dare I say, change your life. All right, with that dramatic statement, we will bring this soliloquy to a close. Bea has finally fallen asleep. It is not thundering anymore. I have tried to explain how I became a business coach, why I'm good at what I do, why I do what I do. And I hope that in hearing that, You will maybe remember some things about yourself that you had forgotten or see some areas that maybe you can place a focus on to improve your skills, improve what you're able to bring to your customers, to your clients, to your community. I will see you all next week. Bye for now.